This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Father, we do thank You, Lord. for giving us this day, for giving us this evening, for giving us, giving us this time together. Thank you for the opportunity for corporate prayer and study. Lord, uh, there are many represented on our prayer list and many others on our hearts and folks that we know that um, have different needs that we're in contact with. Uh, Lord, we pray for your wisdom in every situation that you would enable us to reach out and serve in whatever capacity you would have us to uh, on an individual basis as a church. Lord, grant opportunities that we may uh, share the gospel. Proclaim your word to those who are lost and who need to hear. And we pray that you grant us wisdom in doing that. Lord, uh, for those who <clears throat> travel, go to distant lands, carry your word, we pray for your blessing. And Lord, here at home and abroad, we trust in you to turn hearts, save souls. Tonight, Lord, we ask for your guidance here. I ask that you enable me to deliver the message you would have delivered. And I ask that you enable all of us to hear, to understand your will. Lord, so that we may be equipped to do what you've called us to do in this community. among those whom you bring us into contact with. May it all work for your honor and glory, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I think my phone is down. (laughs) Just kidding. Is he just calling back because of me? Yeah. Yeah. There's an hour difference in Kentucky, so we'll we'll let him slide. <laughs> All right. First um, Timothy chapter four. His birth, Joshua's birthday, incidentally, today, and so uh, he was actually born on Thanksgiving Day. So, 22 years ago, Thanksgiving Day. Um, That morning, I don't remember what time it was, but Leslie said it's time to go, and we headed out. And my neighbor's cow was loose, so I went and uh, I stopped. You know, I told her I gotta let Mr. Clement know to get his cow up. You know, so I, so I, <laughs> I stopped and and told him about his cow. And then we went. I'm thinking we had plenty of time because we'd already been through this once. And with Daniel, uh, I'm telling you, it was an all-day affair. It was it was a long, long deal. 
But uh, we got to Bozier General, and they first they told me, you sit out here, and we're, we're going to prep her, and, uh, you know, you sit out here and wait. Okay, fine. I, I sit down. About the time I get comfortable, this nurse comes busting through the door. You going to be in the room for the delivery? And I said, uh, yeah. Uh, she said, well, you better come on. She said, have that baby right now. <laughs> I mean, we hadn't been there five minutes probably. Okay, so... It was quick. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we spent Thanksgiving at Bozier General. Okay, First Timothy 4. <clears throat> and I'm going to uh, read again verses 11 through 16, which I know we've, we've read before, but we're just taking a little pieces at a time here from this section. Um, yeah, we might finish it tonight maybe. 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Amen. All right, so we're still talking tonight uh, about uh, practicing godliness. Practicing godliness. Sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Because, uh, I mean, you know, you, you can talk about practicing sports or practicing playing a musical instrument or something like that, but um, uh, you don't typically think of uh, practicing godliness. It just means doing it, the practice of it. Doing godliness, being godly. It's what Paul is calling for here, that we live godly lives. Um, God-like. Remember, we've been saying that as, a, as kind of a simple definition of godliness. It's just, it's just imitating God's character. And I use the word imitating because this, the Scripture actually uses that word, mimic God. Um, but um, it's not. We're, we're not talking here about doing something in and of our own strength. We're, we're actually talking about uh, uh, another way of saying it might be to to yield to what God is doing in us. Um, but I do think it takes conscious effort on our part. That's why Paul says, practice these things. Um, Verse 15, meditate on these things. Some translations say practice. Practice these things. All right, let me back up for just a moment because you see this phrase, these things. And, and I really think, um, you know, looking at this, a lot of times you get to a verse like that, verse 11, these things command and teach. Verse 15, meditate on these things or practice these things. And you, it's always uh, good, uh, well, practice, no, no pun intended, but it's always good practice to uh, check the verse before, the verses after. You know, let's try to figure out what these things are that he's talking about. I really think here 
that um, since this, this whole book is geared toward instruction, he probably has everything that he's saying in view. Not, not necessarily just the verse before or just the verse following, but, but everything that he's saying. If, uh, call to mind again verse 15 of chapter 3. He's, he gives us the reason for his writing. So that you may know how to conduct yourself in the household of God. So this is his whole thing. I want you to know how to act as Christians. I want you, Timothy, and you uh, specifically here, this is the church uh, at Ephesus, to know how to conduct yourselves in the household of God, which is the church. We talked a lot about that. The, house, the household of God is, is, uh, is, he's not talking about a building. He's talking about the church, the people, the church of the living God. So, his, he, again, his reason for writing is so that we may know how to conduct ourselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. We talked quite a bit about that, the truth being uh, at the heart of the church's message and mission. That's what we're, what we're all about. That's what we're here for, truth. Truth. We're, we're here to live it, and we're here to proclaim it, to let the world know uh, the truth, tell the world the truth. Uh, and then, uh, of course, Paul uh, talks about the truth in that, in that following verse in verse 16. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. So, so specifically, when, talk, when Paul talks about truth or sound words or sound doctrine or good doctrine, like in verse 6, something of that nature, specifically he's talking about the message of Jesus Christ, God's redemptive plan, God's uh, way of salvation. He came to save sinners. The message of the Gospel. The truth about God. The truth about us. The truth about our need for a Savior. And the truth about uh, God's work in sending a Savior. And so, uh, all of those things um, lead to, or should, uh, you know, our, our focus on truth should lead to godly living. Godly living. So, Paul gets into that in chapter 4. Um, just for example, um, verse 7, reject profane and old wives' fables. And we, we talked quite a bit about the contrast here between error and, and truth. And uh, so he goes on to say, verse 7, exercise yourself toward godliness. It's the word exercise there, a word from which we get our word gymnasium. Exercise yourself toward godliness. He's talking about doing something. Not, not being passive, but doing something. He's talking about living a certain way. This is how you are to act in the household of God. Exercise yourself toward godliness. For, verse 8, for bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. So, Godly exercise, or I'm sorry, bodily exercise has profit, but it's limited, and it's 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 temporary. I mean, it will do you good in this life, but it had you know has no no eternal value. But godliness 
is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So it's, it's profitable, profitable for uh, this life, for the here and now. Practicing godliness, doing godliness, living godly is profitable for this life and for the life to come, that which is to come, for eternity. It has eternal value. So Paul says of himself, and, and I think he's probably speaking as well for Timothy and the church here, for to this end, verse 10, for to this end, in other words, this is the goal, for to this end we both labor and strive, or suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. There, there, there we go. So he's talking about all of those things. This is how we're to act. This is how we're to live. Paul says, now, Timothy, command and teach these things. Don't let them despise your youth. But be an example. So he's saying, com- command and teach these things, but it's not a, uh, a, it's not a do as I say, <laughs> but not as I do. Paul tells Timothy, command and teach these things and example them. Which is the best way to teach them, really. So let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers. Here we go. In word... In conduct, remember he's talking about living godly, being godly. In word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, or that can be translated faithfulness. In faithfulness, in purity. So he's saying, you know, shedding a little more light on what he's what he's talking about there. Living godly. Uh, here are some examples how. In, in word, in speech, in what we say. In Ephesians, Paul says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's, that's a great example. In fact, one of the, one of the best ones I can think of, you know, from the scripture of godly living. I mean, there's, there is good application right there. Living godly. Let no corrupt Communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for edification, that it may minister grace to the hearer. Well, that's powerful. Isn't it? I mean, just talking about speaking, you know, what we say, what, what comes out of our mouth. Godly living. So, Paul tells Timothy, example this. Be an example of godliness in word, in what you say. And in conduct, which really uh, encompasses all, uh, all of our, our life. I mean, just way of living. How we conduct ourselves. How we act. Timothy, be an example of godliness in your conduct and in love. Now, if you remember earlier on, uh, yeah, back in chapter 1, um, if I can find this real quick. Yeah. Now the purpose, uh, chapter one, verse five. Now the purpose of the commandment is love. From a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. 
Now, again, what's he describing? He's, he's describing godliness, godliness, love. This, this, is, the, this is the purpose, Paul says, in, in, the, uh, in the commandment, his command to Timothy, Timothy's command to uh, silence the, uh, uh, those who are teaching error. The purpose behind it is love from a pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith. So again, he's telling Timothy, example this, this kind of love. Be a, be a godly example in love. Be motivated, be motivated by love. Let that let love energize you. I mean that that'll be the the uh, the fuel that that keeps you keeps you burnt, that keeps you going, keeps you uh, operating, keeps you moving. Example: love in spirit, in faith, or faithfulness, and in purity. Now. Verse 13. And I think this, this is so key. I think that's why Paul goes here. Um, how, how do we do this? Now, what, what we talked about last week was, and what I, was what I just gave you. I mean, what I just said the past five, ten minutes, whatever it was, was kind of a recap. We, we raised the question last week, what does godliness look like? Well, we, we, just, we just discussed that. You know, love, uh, for example... Uh, the right kind of uh, conduct, of course, again, motivated in love, purity, faithfulness. And we, and we looked at some examples from the Scripture, Matthew 25, for example, uh, where Jesus gives the scenario of the judgment day. And He says, uh, I, was, I was naked and you clothed me. I was, you know, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. All examples of godly conduct. And we read 1 Corinthians 13, <laughs> just a, a, a profound uh, description of, uh, of love there and the unselfish uh, nature of love and the unfailing uh, nature of love. Great descriptions of godliness. I mean, that's what godliness is about. It's being like God, not... not um, not dressing a certain way or acting a certain way or, or, a, or uh, adopting a certain vocabulary that might be perceived to be uh, spiritual, but actually uh, displaying the characteristics of God, the attributes of God, and taking on uh, the mind of God. Trying, trying to think, in other words, trying to line our thinking up with His, with His thinking. Well, how do we do that? That's the question for tonight. What does it look like? Well, we just said. How, how do we get there? How do we do that? Paul wants us to do these things, which means the Holy Spirit wants us to do these things. How do we do it? Well, I think he, he gives... Uh, and probably other things you could mention here. Um, in fact... Uh, I will mention others. Uh, prayer would be one, but but he gives us some some uh, particulars right here. And and remember, he is talking in the context of the assembly. 
He's talking to a church here, so I think he has primarily in mind what you do when you come together. So look at verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now let's just take uh, <clears throat> those three things for a moment. Till I come, give attention to reading. The word give it. Let me say this first before we get into the three examples here. The the word give attention to um, A. T. Robertson says it this way. Just just for uh, uh, paraphrases it this way. Just for understanding, keep on putting your mind on. Keep on putting your mind on these things. The reading. The exhortation, the teaching. So, so you know, he's telling Timothy, you know, be be attentive to these things, be concerned with these things, make sure they don't, or make sure they aren't neglected. And the first one is the reading, and all and all three of these have a definite article in front of them. So it's it's the reading, the exhortation, the doctrine, and I think that has significance, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Give attention to the reading. Now, what's he talking about? Give attention to reading. He's just saying, you know, it's, it's important that you find a good book on a regular basis and, and uh, kick back and read. <laughs> you know, make, make sure, Timothy, that you, that you give attention to reading. Make sure that you're a reader, you know, like one of these uh, public service announcements on, uh, on TV or something or radio. Read. Well, re- reading's a good, a, a good habit, but no, that's not what he's saying. The reading. Give attention to the reading. I think he's talking specifically about public reading. In other words, he means reading the Scripture uh, when you come together, when you're gathered, and of course, uh, when you're alone. But again, I think uh, really since he's dealing with them as a church here, what he has in mind is uh, reading the Scripture together in the public meeting. We would say in the worship service. Now, let me say this. this. This is the very reason that um, we do the, very, the, the amount of reading that we do here. It's the reason I like to open up uh, Sunday morning service by reading a psalm because it, it is so important for us to, to read and hear God's Word. And the reason I usually choose psalms for that purpose Sunday morning is, is as I have told you before, because what we're trying to do at that point hopefully is is prepare our hearts for worship. I mean, we ought to be worshiping all the time, right? And not just from 10:45 to uh, 12 or whatever on Sunday morning. But um, the truth is, we get distracted, don't we? So the the idea behind reading a psalm before we be actually officially begin the worship service is is just to help us focus, to help us look Godward. Now the children of Israel, what they would do was sing them, sing the psalms. That's what they are. They're songs, and uh, they're, they're, they're powerful. Uh, there's no better songwriter than God, and God, God wrote the psalms, so powerful. But read the Scripture. That's what he's talking about publicly, and that's the reason usually when I preach on a passage, instead of just, you know, like tonight, I, I, I basically wanted to focus in on verse 13 tonight. I usually make a point of reading more 
than than the you know if maybe one or two uh, verses I'm going to focus in on uh, for a couple of reasons. One is because context. You know, I want you to hear what's before and behind it as much as possible. Uh, obviously, if we were going to get the full context, then every every sermon we'd have to read the whole Bible before we started. Can't do that, but we can uh, read a few verses right before and behind. But again, also, and I've, this is you know been a, a, a intentional uh, is to to act in obedience to what Paul is telling Timothy here to have public reading of Scripture. Um, some people, uh, some Christians, don't read. Uh, n- none of us read the Bible as much as we should, right? But some Christians read the Bible very little. And uh, when when we're in these walls together, I want to get, you know, pretty much as much of it in as we can. Uh, we need to hear God's Word. And we talked, uh, touched on that a little bit last week. It's because it, it, it has a sanctifying effect, has a cleansing effect, the washing of the water of the Word, Ephesians 5. John 17, 17, Jesus in His prayer to the Father said, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word, God's word is alive and powerful. It's the living word. It's the means by which he regenerates souls. And it's the means by which um, we are sanctified. We need, Christians, uh, still need to hear the gospel over and over and over and over again. I mean, you might have the tendency to think, you know what, I, I think I've got, I've got that. <laughs> well, we, we, we need to hear it. We need, we need to hear the gospel. It has a sanctifying effect. God's Word has a sanctifying effect. How so? Here, here's the thing, and this is what... Uh, we're about out of time anyway, so but nobody has to work tomorrow, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, you know, give me another thirty, forty-five minutes, and then Brother Carl have a few things to say, and we'll. Uh, I'm just kidding. Okay, everybody got real quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> I just I, before we do quit though, here here's kind of what I want you to get, and I mean I think I mentioned this Sunday Sunday morning. Um, Reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Be attentive to these things. Don't neglect them. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Now, real quick, reading we just talked about. We're talking about reading God's Word publicly. Exhortation, some, some translations put preaching there. Um, it's, uh, it's the idea of, well, of exhortation or comforting or, uh, uh, it's related to the to the word paraclete, um, you know, the comforter, and then doctrine is is simply teaching. So, what would you teach in the assembly? Well, obviously, you would you would teach the word, right? So, read the word, teach the word, and preach the word. Paul saying, until I come, give attention to reading God's word, preaching God's word. And teaching God's Word. Why? 
so that we are changed by it. Now, I know that sounds simple, but I, I, I kind of, I, I think, like I said, I think I touched on this Sunday. But here's the deal. Um, it's, it's not some kind of um, religious duty. It is a religious duty. It is, it is a, a, the duty of a Christian to read God's Word. But I'm just saying it's not merely that. There's, there's no magic in it. Like uh, It's not a good luck thing. It's not an a intellectual exercise. The purpose behind it is to take on God's thoughts. Read the Word, preach the Word, teach the Word so that we are molded by it, so that we are conformed to the image of Christ. Because the whole idea is for us to be godly. And that's not something you're going to dig up out of yourself. You know, you're not going to mine um, the depths of your innermost being, you know, and find something good down there somewhere that you can pull out to the surface and say, now I'll be a better person. So we need to, we need to dig somewhere else. We need to dig, we need to mine uh, where there are some true riches. We need to mine somewhere outside of us where goodness can really be found, and that's the Word of God. So you're bringing it from outside, putting it inside. In fact, again, verse 15, meditate on these things, Paul says. The, the, the objective is to be godly. Now, that again, that doesn't just mean... Um, we can sit down on the floor, get in some kind of uh, yoga type position, and uh, you know, put a CD on of the Bible, and and enter into some kind of uh, other realm or state. He's talking about your your whole conduct being changed. You take in the Word so that it changes you, meaning that you live it out in your life. You begin to look at the world through biblical lenses. So, when you, for example, um, are relating to your spouse, God's Word has tremendous influence there. I mean, that's the idea behind it. So that God's Word has tremendous influence there so that you relate to your spouse. You, you, again, you see your relationship through biblical lenses and therefore you act accordingly. Just for example, you know, God, God says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, if we get that embedded in our brains and then even, even beyond that, you know, into our into our heart, uh, and we're determined to live according to the will of God by the grace of God. Then what what we're what we're looking for is for that to be produced 
so that I don't just hear it, so that it doesn't just fall on my ears and, and I say, wow, that's profound. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's profound. No, that's, that's not the end. That's not the goal, you know, so that I can just hear it and go, wow, God is really wise. The goal is to do it. So, so the Word comes in and it takes effect and I live it out. That's, that's the goal. That's what Paul is saying. We strive, we work and strive for these things. This is the goal, to be godly. And so that when I relate to my co-workers or my employer or the lady at Walmart or the driver uh, who just cut me off or, or whatever it is, so that, I, so that I'm seeing all of that through biblical lenses. So that when I get in a conversation uh, with somebody at the coffee shop or something, uh, I understand that I'm that I'm 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 speaking with a living soul that is either bound for hell or heaven. So that I so that I view every person that I come to contact into contact with through the biblical lenses. And so that it, I'm changed accordingly. So that when Jesus says, love your enemies, again, that's not just another profound truth to, to hear and to marvel at, but it's something to, to uh, go after. To say, Lord, do that in me. Make, make me a lover. Not just of those that bless me, but of those that curse me. Why? Because I want to be like God. And that's that's what God says He does. Let me give you an example of that real quick. Another, another uh, example, this time from the lips of Jesus, of being godly. Matthew chapter 5. Lord willing... We'll be on this soon in our study in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Love your enemies. Think, think about that for a moment. What, he, what He's commanding us to do there. It's, it's easy to pray for our troops, isn't it? What about the troops on the other side? What about the people on the other side? It's easy to pray for our neighbors who uh, are good to you and constantly bringing you cookies and letting you borrow sugar and all that kind of thing. What about the neighbor that don't like you and, you know, smarts off at you or whatever or, you know, won't give you the time of day? He's saying, love, love your enemies. Why? Verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He's saying so, so that you may, so that you may display the characteristics of a son. Every every son bears characteristics of his father and his mother. 
I mean, right? Family traits. Every son bears characteristics of his father. Jesus is saying, do this so that you look like your father. That you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God is, God is good to, to all. He's good to the just. He's good to the unjust. Jesus is saying, be like Him. He says it a little more clear, just further down. Verse uh, 46, He says, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? No reward in that, Jesus says. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Perfect. Did He really say that? You shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Not only did He say it, He's commanding it. Love your enemies. Be perfect. Love your enemies and you'll, you'll be sons of your Father. He's talking about godliness, godlikeness. That's what Paul's calling for in First Timothy. And he's... Saying, I think, the way, not just, not just there, but other passages we could turn to also, like Romans 12, to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think, uh, even though it doesn't say there, you know, by the Word of God, other passages do, uh, do imply that. Like John 17, 17, for example. So Paul in Romans 12:2 says, "Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God." So Timothy, don't neglect these things. Paul says, "Give attention to reading, the reading, that is the reading of the word, the public reading of the word." Give attention to the exhortation. We didn't have time to get into that one, but there are examples of that uh, that, that I could take you to. May may do that next week. Um, uh, I'll tell you one real quick, and if you want to look it up, you can. Um, same word is used in Acts thirteen fifteen, where Paul and his company are asked basically to get up and preach, is what we would say. But uh, the uh, the steward there says, "Men, if you have any word of exhortation." Uh, for the people say on. So that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Don't neglect that exhortation. He's talking about in the, in the public assembly. Exhort people with the Word of God. And give attention to the teaching. The teaching. It's the same word. Uh, again, incidentally, in verse 16, take heed to yourself. First uh, Timothy four sixteen. Take heed to yourself and to the teaching. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So, don't neglect the reading, the preaching, and the teaching of the word. 
Because that's the key to godly living. Getting, getting the Word in you is, is the key to a transformed life. So that's where practicing godliness begins. In the Word. Reading, preaching, teaching of the Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your Word. Lord, we're so uh, privileged, and I know uh, none of us uh, understand, uh, Lord, to what degree. To have Your very Word. Divine revelation handed to us in written form. Lord, where we lack uh, hunger, we, we, we pray, Lord, make us hungry. And Lord, we pray, Lord, bless the reading, the preaching, the teaching. Lord, our, our efforts in reading Your Word, Lord, it, it will only have the effect it's designed to have if You accompany it with power by Your Spirit. We pray, open our understanding, make Your Word effective in our hearts. To the extent that we are truly changed, so that we don't just hear it and say, yes, amen, but so that we we hear it and begin to live it. And continue to live it till Jesus comes. For Your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation, which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us, or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.